What's up, everybody? Bradley with the Insurance Guys podcast here. Before we get started with this episode, I want to talk to you about this week's sponsor. If you pay any attention to the Independent Agency channel, you know there's no hotter buzzword right now than VAs or virtual assistants. This week's sponsor, I'm proud to say, is CoverDesk, who offers an innovative client solution for agencies to outsource client-facing VAs. Created by agency veteran Andy Priesman, owner of Greenway Insurance. People, this is not your typical VA company. They offer a proven system of recruiting highly educated virtual assistants, ensuring consistent performance for your agency. With their experience, they're able to help you design a program that is just right for you and your agency. They implement by onboarding and training each VA in foundational insurance skills. Visit CoverDesk on the web at www.coverdesk.com or email them at hello at coverdesk.com or you can call them and tell them that the insurance guys sent you. Please do at 512-879-3345. Guys, give CoverDesk a ring. I promise you, you will not regret it. Insurance agents from around the world, welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader agency owner and insurance evangelist for I Protect Insurance and Financial Services based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on today's episode, please help me welcome, he is a six foot three sophomore from Sarah Land, Alabama, a parade first team All-American, rivals five-star recruit. He is a fantastic insurance agent and a great American. Please stand and welcome the incomparable Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley? I'm great, Scott. How are you today? I am the best i have ever been i am freaking so excited right now i want to flip this freaking table over guys we have got somebody on this podcast today that is near and dear to my heart i don't know him personally but as i just told him off air by golly i'm about to his agency is the agency that i have chosen this year to go down, keep my damn mouth shut, and listen to what he has to say and what his partners have to say. So one of my commercial agents, Clinton Orr, shout out to Clint, is from Jupiter, Florida. And in the March-April time frame, we are actually going down to Miami to spend some time with this guy. That's how important I think his agency is and how much I think I can learn from him. So he, he better get ready. Because the plane tickets are about to get bought, and we're headed down to Miami, Florida. You can get ready for that. Before I introduce him today, guys, our mission on this podcast, as I say every single week, we are here to help you agents in any way we can. Sales, marketing, hiring, firing, accounting, agency management systems, behavioral tests for new employees, Facebook strategies, YouTube strategies, Instagram strategies, personal lines insurance. And then today we're actually going to be talking with this guest today about commercial insurance. I want to talk to him about how he got started because he has built a behemoth down there. And I know he's done it with great people around him. But let me go ahead and introduce him. So he lives in Miami, Florida. His agency is Jag Insurance Group out of Coral Gables, Florida. He is married with three beautiful babies. He studied public relations at Florida International University. He was a collegiate athlete there, and he's also a graduate of Florida International University. He was on the inaugural football team at FIU. I believe he kicked the first field goal, made the first points in that for that football program. He has two business partners, Mr. Fernando Alvarez, who I believe played some professional ball, and, and Luis 
Gazatua, I believe that is his his last name. I apologize for brutalizing it. Both of them played ball down there as well. If you really want to know more about him, guys, you can go to Google and, and you can search Applying the Athlete's Mindset to Business Success. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the other incomparable Mr. Doug Jones. How are you, Doug? I appreciate it. Super pumped to be on with you guys. Man, I am fired up. Before we get started, I always do this with every single one of our guests. Get in the get in the <laughs> get in the DeLorean with me for just a moment and go back in time. You've graduated from FIU. It's time to go out into the big bad world and do something. Talk to us a little bit about how you got started in the insurance industry and then just bring us up to today. Sure, not a problem. So insurance uh, was the one thing I told myself I would never do. And that was because my father was in the business and I grew up watching him do this. He had a he was a, he had a specialty. He created an offshore captive for thoroughbred racetracks and insured every thoroughbred racetrack in North America. Love it. For me, it was just like the, the not cool thing to do. I wanted mm-hmm. to go to law school. I had a million other things I wanted to do. Right. The only thing I knew was that I didn't want to be in insurance. But right. when I graduated college, had a little bit of time on my hands. He encouraged me to get my license and I joined him shortly thereafter uh like you mentioned and and you did a pretty good job with their with their names i gotta i gotta give it to you gazatua is not an easy name to say <laughs> i'll give you a b minus on that well thank you i went to college with with both lewis and fernie they both played baseball i played football mm-hmm. Shortly after joining my father's firm, I was at an industry convention, ran into Fernie. He was with the White Sox organization, and I was saying, what the hell are you doing here? And he goes, oh, I retired from baseball. Now I'm in the insurance business. And he said, oh, and Lewis, did you see Lewis? And I said, you work with Lewis? And he goes, no, nah, he works at a different agency, but he's here at the convention. Long story short, within about the next 60 days, we were all working for my old man. Did that for a few years, and five years ago, decided to start our own brand based on uh, some different principles around customer service that we felt very, very strongly about mm. and started the brand JAG. So mm. a JAG isn't just a word. It uh, actually stands for Jones Alvarez Gazatua. Right. So a couple questions and one statement I want to make before I ask the question. Bradley posted a video of him down at Agent 2021, and he was in your offices there in Miami. It was a clip of you talking a little bit about your agency and, and y'all just talking about a few things. But one of the things that stood out to me, and I actually posted this at the bottom of that YouTube video, is how proud I am of you and the people there that you're with and your partners. You commented on my YouTube video? I did. I hear you, dog. Thank you. I'm I'm trying to learn after you told me I was, what did you tell me I was the worst person in the, you said I was the worst person in the world for not commenting on social media when people reached out to me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. After Bradley Bradley told me I was the worst person in the world for not not getting back to people that, because I never, I never get back to I wasn't talking about you. I just said. <laughs> I, if, but, but when you said if, it, I said, oh, my God, if, Bradley, you just meant, you just said me. If you, as a social media marketer, are not engaging back with right. people who are engaging right. on your post, right. you are a terrible human being. Exactly. And that's awesome. I, I, I hope that doesn't mean I, I hope that doesn't mean I just got a pity comment. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. What, what I was getting what I was getting at was was uh, on that post or on that YouTube video. I posted and said, you know, how proud I was of you guys that somewhere, some way, somehow down the line, you realized and I've known this for a long time. There is strength in numbers. There's a reason why lions hunt in packs. And I've always felt like we can do more together than we can do separately. And I have a sneaky suspicion that you kind of realize that at some point as well. We did. So, you know, it's funny. I was uh, 
a couple of days ago on my partner's podcast on the transition. We talked, we, we touched on this a little bit uh, regarding the fact that I hate when people tell me how lucky I am to find two guys just like me to get in this business. with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the truth is that the three of us could not be more different human beings. And that's why it works. Right. right. So we all have, the same vision we have the same goals we want the same outcome but we all bring something a little different to the table the trick is can you find people that share the same vision you do but bring different strengths to the table right Uh, and that's what that's what we were able to do that's that's amazing and and kudos to you for recognizing that and playing playing off of that and i can say that i mean you guys uh, i i like each and every one of you and you three are different individuals right And that's, that's, hey, honestly, that's why this podcast works because I'm so oh, yeah. different than Bradley is. His strengths are my weaknesses. My, my strengths uh-huh. are his. To me, that's a big reason. And I've always said that why this works so well. well we were, we were on the phone with, uh, Joey Gingola earlier today doing a podcast. And he's like, man, you guys need to be so thankful you found each other. Yeah. Because you're so different. Mm, I want to kiss you right now. Please don't do that. I, w- I was going to say Bradley was mentioning he was the better looking one. Well, that goes without saying. You're, I look, I have the head, I have the head of Shrek and the body of, uh, of Jim Carrey and the, the Grinch. Z- you're the Zach to my Matt, Scott. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So so one thing that caught me... We're uh, both married to beautiful women, yeah, by the way. <laughs> testimony to our sales ability. One thing in your article that I read about an hour ago that kind of jumped out on me a little bit, and I wanted to ask you about it, but you made a comment that your offices down there, and, and you may have multiple offices. I'm not, I hadn't gotten that far, but you said your offices are more like a startup company rather than an insurance agency. Talk a little bit about that for me. You know, when we decided when we decided to start this company, that was one of the pillars within our foundation was right. that we had to change the environment. What I identified, what my partners and I identified was that no matter where you work, where you whether you work at JAG or you work at an, an independent agency in mm. Mobile or you work at Aon or Willis, we're all fishing from the same pond. What mm. makes us different? What makes us different is the customer service experience that we provide. Mm. And what we identified was it's your employees that create that experience. You know, we can sell all day long, but Mm. who's going to retain that business? Who's going to maintain that relationship? So if that's the person or persons that are really responsible for your retention, what Mm. are you doing for those people to keep them happy? Right. So when we created our first office and now we're, we just doubled our office space, our second office, we wanted an environment that was comforting, Mm. that was peaceful, that had great energy, that, Mm. that allowed for constant communication. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's somewhere where people were proud to go, happy to go. They weren't waking up on Monday morning, like shit, Mm. I gotta go to work. Mm. We want people that are excited about coming to work. So Mm. our, you know, we got beanbags, we got yoga balls, we got Mm. stand up desks, we got a cereal bar, we got a candy station. And these things might sound stupid to a lot of people, but at the end of the day, if your customer service rep is sitting down in a chair and, and really has at their fingertips, one of your largest clients, mm-hmm. you're going to wish that that person was as comfortable as possible and mm-hmm. in a great mood and with great energy. And these are just some of the little things we do to uh, to make their life as comfortable as possible. I mean, that makes perfect sense because these people, like you said, that have your your clients uh, at their fingertips every day, they spend as much, if not more time at the office than they do at home. Absolutely. So the worst thing you can do is, is give them a, a chair and a desk and an environment that it just seems like everything's a struggle. The chair's uncomfortable. They get to work on Monday and they dread, you know, they're starting that dread Sunday night that they have to go in. Oh yeah. I mean, look, let me give you another example. We have a, a very relaxed dress code in my office. Mm-hmm. We call it business chic. Right. What's that mean? We're talking you know, nice jeans, polo, mm. button-up shirt. You know, the first thing I recognize is very it's not very often that clients come into our office. Mm-hmm. So again, what can I do to make my employees 
day a little bit brighter, a little bit more comfortable. Well, you know what? The way you dress, you know, is an expression of who you are and definitely makes you more comfortable if you're, you know, dressed the way you want to be. So why don't we open that up? Because, you know, if I work in a law firm where everybody's coming in in suit and ties and our clients are expecting that kind of appearance, I understand that. But when you're in an office centered around customer service, where, where, you know, guests are regularly doing business over the phone, not so much in person, let's calm that down. But what we ask everybody to do is keep a jacket in the closet, keep a pair of heels under your desk. Mm -hmm. That way you can always pivot and be ready for whoever comes. Absolutely. I love that so much. I wrote that down. One of the things I do with all of our podcast guests, when I have someone like you that is a wealth of knowledge, while you're talking, I'm writing down when you spit gold, as I like to say, when you're spitting gold, (laughs) I'm, I'm writing that information down. So let's let's get to the meat and potatoes of why we're here today. Uh, I have a goal in 2019, and I want to give people actionable steps on every podcast that when they turn this podcast off, they can go implement those steps. Remember, rewards come from action, not discussion, but they can go implement those steps and use them in their agency like tomorrow, right? So one of the things Doug and I talked about while I was having my love fest with him before we got on this <laughs> podcast, telling him what a man crush I had on him, we were talking about how he and I were both in commercial insurance. Now, he's a, he is ahead of me in the fact that he writes, and I don't, I don't know this for, for a fact, but I'm pretty sure you're writing a little, little bigger account than I am in terms of your average account size that you're writing. But my agency specializes in commercial insurance with a focus on habitational and property investing. Doesn't matter if it's single family, multifamily, strip centers, all that good stuff. But I wanted, to, I want you guys that are listening to this, to the 250,000 insurance agents that are listening to this today, when you get off this, this podcast, I want you to have some actionable steps that you can go take. If you're if you're a home and auto guy or girl and you've been wanting to dive off into the commercial world, I want Doug and I to sit here and have a conversation about how we think you should do that. Now, doesn't mean we're right. Maybe we're wrong. I've been fairly successful with it. He's been wildly successful with it, and his agency has. Let's talk a little bit about commercial insurance, and if you were an agent out there wanted to get in it, how would you get started? What would you do? you got to go after it. You know, I think when, mm. like, uh, like I was telling you before we started, you know, we all start at the same spot. When you right. get your insurance license and you go out there and you start writing business, you know, there's no rhyme or reason as to what you're doing. You're really just doing anything that comes across your plate. And what's that usually start with? It'll start with a condo unit, an apartment unit, mm. a home, a, you know, a jet ski. Mm. They're, they're usually small things because you know, you might not feel as comfortable right. uh, with the coverages or whatnot. But, you know, I think that the small business, whether it's personal lines or commercial lines, is the place everybody needs to start. When right. I when I have somebody come to me that wants to be a producer, I encourage them to start as an account executive or an mm-hmm. assistant account executive to really learn the business. And, right. yes, you're going to have a salary. You're not going to have, you know, open hours like you might, might as a commission-only producer. But there you're going to gain the knowledge to have basic conversations about anything. You know, I hate when I listen to people, producers around the country talk about, oh, you know, he can't do that because that's not his niche. Right. Or he he doesn't have enough experience in that. Covering risk exposure has basic principles. And if you understand those principles, you can write anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's really just having the confidence to get out there and go after it. And right. I think that's the first place you need to start is getting your confidence. And that takes two things. That takes gaining knowledge to have a to have a basic conversation. Mm-hmm. And then it also means getting to your getting yourself to a place financially where you feel comfortable. And I say that because I see this all the time. People smell desperation. Right. And when you're a desperate 
agent, your life becomes exponentially more difficult than somebody that is a little more comfortable. Now, that may, that may mean that you need to change your lifestyle. You know, I encourage people, hey, you want to become an agent? You want to be a full-time commission? You might have to move back in with your mom and dad. Mm-hmm. You might have to give up your car. Because if you're in a position where you're having a conversation with somebody and they, they feel like you're a professional mm-hmm. and that, you know what, you're so good that, you know, if this isn't for you, you can walk away from it. Mm-hmm. There's so much power behind that. So you really need to start with those two things. I absolutely could not agree with you more. I, I think about the old Jerry Clower joke that he tells about the guy that comes to church one day and he's sitting in the back of the pews of the church and preacher gets through preaching. He's been to one. This is his first church service he's ever been to. And he walks up to the preacher after the service and he says, shakes his hand he says you know i was sitting back there listening to you and i've decided i'm gonna be a preacher when when you think i could start preaching over here and the guy's like well you might want to come to more than one service before you start preaching and i feel like some people are that way with commercial you know they want to jump off in it and dive mm-hmm. into commercial and start selling hundred thousand two hundred thousand million dollar accounts when it's just that's just not the way that works you, you've got to to crawl before you walk and walk before you run and i could not agree with you more i think the best place to start if you've never done it before is as an account manager in a commercial agency so that you can just get a feel for it and you know after maybe a year and a half year two years whatever it may be you've got a good flavor of you know just the documents that you need the cord forms the this the that you you know all the right. all the intricate things that are go yeah. into commercial insurance. It's and you know sweet spots and and yeah. rates and stuff like that. That way you don't spend twenty days working on something that turns out to be a four hundred and eight dollar premium. Absolutely, absolutely. I was talking to a buddy of mine the other day. Yeah, we were talking about commercial, and and he said he had this guy that did something in the nuclear space. Right, and the title of the business had the word nuclear in it, and he said, "I'm thinking this is going to be." Mm. This is going to double my agency. Right. And uh, he spent, I think, 40 days working on it or 41 days working on it. It was like a $200 premium. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, damn it. <laughs> you know? Wow. And, and, yeah, and I, let's touch on that for a minute, Doug. So I love commercial. This is just me personally, and you may completely differ from this, but I would a whole lot rather go out and see a, a mid-market or small business owner and do a quote for that particular business. And maybe it's only two, three, four, five thousand dollars $5,000 in premium. To me, that's easier than working on a home and auto account. And I it, know, it, and I know it, I'm crazy, but I, I, I just feel that way. You, look, not just that, but, but, but here's the trick. What a lot of people fail to realize is that you want to get in with that business owner right? and maybe his, maybe his commercial policy doesn't expire for six or eight months, or maybe mm-hmm. his college roommates, his agent, but you know what? That guy does buy a home, right? That guy, that guy buys a homeowner's policy, he That's buys right. a personal auto. So you want to get your, your, your foot in the door. You got to do whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. That's a big differentiator between us and a lot of the people we compete with, which are, you know, more of the, the larger multinational agencies that right. have minimum premiums for their agents. You know, like right. if right. I'm going up against somebody for a big commercial account and his son just went to university of Alabama and rented a, an apartment and that big agency refuses to write his son's renter's policy. Right. That's my way in the door. That's right. a $400, $300 premium that right. may lead to a million dollar account. We always say you got to get in where you fit in. <laughs> and we don't really care what that is. And right. that's why no, we've no, actually, we've built a nice size personalized apartment and not on purpose, but right. really by understanding that some of the biggest opportunities we've gotten mm-hmm. have become from people's houses. And when somebody shoots me down on the commercial side, there's no ego here. I'll write your house. I'll write your car. Well, well, you're using the personal lines as a lead generation tool, you know, and I like I like that you have that attitude because I think as agents, some, sometimes it's easy for agents to let their ego get in the way. And in that situation where 
someone turns you down, it would be easy to say, you know what, screw this guy, I don't want anything. Whereas you say, okay, let me ride his house and his car. I had an agent call me the other day, and this client gave him the runaround. It was a, it was a difficult client, and the client wanted to write the house and not the autos. Mm-hmm. And the agent told me, she said, I think I'm, I'm, I think I'm just gonna, gonna tell him I can't do the autos without the house or the house without the autos. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, if you want to do that, that's fine. But if you say that, you're never going to get this client. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you write the house, you're probably eventually going to get the autos. Right. Right. You agree with that? Sure. Yeah. More than anything, you're you're starting a relationship. That's exactly. Right. Who, exactly. Who cares what you're doing? I don't care if I'm writing your wife's engagement ring for fifty bucks. Mm-hmm. All that matters is that you and I now have a relationship. You and I now now I have somebody another feather in my cap. Let's say you know if you're Joe Blow that owns you know the bottle manufacturing plant downtown, and I write a two hundred and fifty dollar policy for you. You know what the difference between me and your commercial agent is? Nothing. You're mm-hmm. both of our clients. Mm-hmm. I can go anywhere around town and say hey you know what that guy down there from the plant he's my client Mm -hmm. and so for for us it's just getting a foot in the door building Mm -hmm. a relationship having the ability to to take referrals from that person because again what's more personal than somebody's house or their jewelry or their or their Mm -hmm. car or something Mm -hmm. that belongs to their children you know commercial that commercial is cutthroat you know commercial Mm -hmm. there's there's no emotion involved there those Mm -hmm. are business decisions right your home yeah you know what they look a little harder at their coverages on their house you know Mm -hmm. it's not a bottom line issue anymore this Mm -hmm. is hey you know if my house burns down where am i going to stay when it's getting rebuilt am i going to have to stay in a smaller place am i going to have loss of rent coverage or or whatever may loss of use coverage whatever it may be so those things are looked at a lot more under a microscope on the personal side than the commercial side they're both equally as as important to people so what's funny about your example you gave just a few minutes ago is I had that exact same thing happen in my agency this week. We wrote home, auto, umbrella, motorcycle, RV, five, six personal lines policies for this guy that was new to town. And as we're closing everything out, my personal lines agent was closing everything out. He said, uh, he said, Hey, by the way, do y'all do business insurance? I got I got I got a I got a couple of businesses I need insured, and lo and behold, we're now quoting I think two or three business policies for this guy, and, and that's the exact example you just gave, right? I mean, you build the relationship, you you do the right, you know, you do well by them, you're you're attentive to them. Next thing you know, you you just don't know where that door is going to open. That's right. You don't. It's not to be super cheesy, but my partner and I had this conversation. Fernie just uh, yesterday, uh-huh. he goes, you know what I want here? I want a big field of dream so- sign that says, mm-hmm. if you build it, they will come. That spreads across so many different right. levels, including right. your relationship with an individual. And the truth is, you never know who his brother-in-law is. You mm-hmm. never know who his best friend is. You never know where that's going to lead. And you know what? If it takes 20 minutes out of your day to write that home mm-hmm. or to get somebody else in your office to jump on it, you never know where it's going to lead. So let's talk about, I got about four different topics I want to hit on, and I'm sorry if I bounce around, but I'm so excited. You know what? I'm just like the kid that gets so excited to go see Santa Claus that he gets to sit on his lap and he, he doesn't even know what to say to him. You ever, you ever seen somebody <laughs> I do did that? that? I did that with Gary Vaynerchuk I, I, I last think, week. Yeah. <laughs> Bradley did that last week. Gary's like, well, hey. hey Hey Bradley, how are you doing? Uh... <laughs> so one thing I wanted to talk about, one of the beautiful things about this podcast is we have a very good blend of mm-hmm. captive agents and independent agents, right? So we have, I don't know what the percentages shake down to, but 
I want to speak to the captive agents for just a second. And I know, you know, for you being an independent agent, it's a little different. But as we talk about, if you want to get into commercial, crawl before you you start walking and walk before you run. Every captive agency that represents really one carrier, doesn't matter which one it is, Allstate, State Farm, Farmers, Nationwide, whatever, that particular captive carrier that you represent, even though they may not write a ton of commercial insurance does have an appetite mm-hmm. if you call the commercial department for that carrier and talk to one of the the underwriters or, or one of the field underwriters or something like that they'll tell you kind of what hey this is our target market this is what we want to write and it maybe it's small accounts but maybe you need to start with small accounts sure so my advice to them and maybe yours would be a little different is if you're a captive agent start small and find out what your target market is for that particular carrier in your area. Would you agree with that? I do. You know, I don't think anybody does a good enough job at really identifying what the arrows are in their quiver. Right. You know, there are so many people who have access. This is on the independent side and the captive side. So many people that have access to products that they're not even aware of right. because they're stuck with their blinders on mm-hmm. uh, just doing one thing. And I mm-hmm. have that conversation all the time with people. They're like, well, how'd you get that deal done? Right. Oh, with so-and-so underwriter. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know they did that. Mm-hmm. Well, you probably didn't ask. Right. What I do every time I speak with a marketing representative, no matter what insurance company they're from, every time they come to our office, I say, what, what have you guys done lately? What have been your success stories? Where are you guys making money? Where are your highest hit ratios? And you know what? Because everybody's appetite is cyclical and it comes and goes, you got to ask that question very often. And if the last time you asked your marketing rep what was hot for them Mm. was two years ago, (laughs) you're missing out. Right. So let's talk to the independents for just a second. We had Erin Nutting on the podcast yesterday. It just released Wednesday. And one thing she said that really caught my attention was, you know, when you try to do everything, you end up not doing anything. I'm paraphrasing there. But as an independent, uh, and this is a two-part question here, but how did you narrow down to the niches that you guys are going after what was that process like for you guys did you just fall into it or did y'all have a succinct and definitive business plan of this is what we're going after oh i still don't know what we're doing okay (laughs) we didn't find anything everything we've done has found us gotcha you got to take every pitch and identify it and take a swing at it and Mm -hmm. you know i'd say about 65 to 70 percent of our business is real estate much like you right a lot of multifamily mm-hmm. condominium structures things mm-hmm. of that nature and yeah we i met a guy years ago with a successful real estate practice i had no business talking to him he owned uh, i think at the time 63 shopping centers right and i asked him for a shot i didn't get a shot the next year he gave me a shot i didn't get it the third year i didn't get it the fourth year i got it and right. you know what? I went from very little real estate to now insuring 63 shopping centers, right. which is more than a lot of people will do in their career. Right. And it was going after the right guy. Mm-hmm. And then, you know what? In that circle, the real estate guys and girls, they stick together. Right. So then, you know what? Even if they're not going to make a referral to me, next time I meet with a, a real estate guy and they say, well, what else have you done? I get to use that name. And, and it went a long way. And the real estate mm-hmm. started piling and piling and piling on onto each other because we started getting in, involved with bigger and bigger mm-hmm developments, Mm -hmm. we started seeing kind of these ancillary businesses to real estate Mm -hmm. development 
So we insure the largest independent concrete manufacturer in Florida. We insure the largest impact window manufacturer in the world. All these things kind of piggybacked off that, but it was not because we went after them. It was because we took what came to us, what we had the ability to do, mm-hmm. pivot and really make yourself the best at whatever that is mm-hmm. and see what else comes from it. But again, I, I think people have a really hard time when they say, okay, you know what? My niche is going to be limousines. Right. And you call every limousine in the book and nobody wants to deal with you. Now what do you do? Well, and one thing I've realized just from the relationships I've built from this podcast and the people that I pick up the phone and call that are, you know, a lot of them are pretty good sized commercial agents is a lot of times it just takes patience. You know, it just takes time. It takes working your ass off, obviously, and getting involved with all the groups and that particular niche that you need to be involved in and getting out there and being seen and writing some of it. But it's not just something where you can say, well, I'm, I'm going to write nothing but veterinarian offices. <laughs> And thinking the next week, you're just going to have vets blowing your phone up trying to get a quote. It takes a lot of but, hard work, and it takes being involved in a lot of these organizations to get your name out there. And then, you know, you pop one big vet clinic, the, the person knows 400 vets in the state of Alabama. Next thing you know, you've got people calling you. And one thing, too, that I like about commercial insurance, and to touch on the opposite end of what Doug mentioned earlier, that it's less personal and it's purely a business decision. Mm-hmm. For me, and I've, you know, the largest commercial account I've written was less than $100,000. That's going to change soon, but people are always willing to give me a shot. Because it's a business decision, there's no emotion involved. Yeah, we'll let you quote it. You know what I mean? Sure. Because if we can affect the bottom line, why wouldn't they do business with you? Sure. So it kind of plays both ends. Doug, what do you guys do? Let's say that you're heavy in one particular area. We'll talk about habitational for just a second, apartment complexes. And you've got a smoking hot rate with a company down there and take a pretty significant rate increase. Are you guys constantly trying to figure out who's got rate and when you have to move something, make sure you've got a soft landing spot for it? Constantly. Yeah. All the time. And not just upon renewal. We're staying on top of the market on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of that is done through the relationships we've built with the underwriters, which was a big thing that my partners and I did differently than I think a lot of our competitors Mm -hmm. was rather than right out of the gate, start cold calling and knocking on doors and begging people for an opportunity, we spent a lot of time and resources building relationships with underwriters. Mm -hmm. What a lot of people fail to realize is that the generational flip on the underwriting side happened before the agency owner side. You know, the underwriters that have been in their 20s and 30s for the last 10 years have become friends of ours, guys we hang out with, go have a beer with. And so I remember even my old man calling me, oh, how'd you get that deal done at that price? That guy won't even call me back. Oh, you know, he went to my wedding. You know, he he was, uh, you know, our kids go to school together and people fail to realize the strength in building that relationship, not just with your clients, but with your underwriters Mm. and really also not spreading yourself super thin. It's great to have every market under the sun. It's great to have the access to every wholesale broker in America. Mm. But if you're not using any leverage with one of those or a few of those, then you're really missing out. That's such a good point. I want to say about three years ago, really took a look at our book of business and consolidated most of our ENS business with only one or two wholesale brokers. And it strengthened our relationship with them. It got us some increased commissions. You know, it put us as, you know, a non-multinational agency on their map. Right. Uh, that has allowed us to get those phone calls and say, hey, guys, by the way, XYZ insurance company is really coming in hot. 
on the multifamily side, you mm-hmm. really need to take a look at this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then it's about setting expectations for your clients and mm-hmm. being in front of them on a regular basis and saying, Hey, look, guys, be prepared. These low rates aren't going to last forever. Mm-hmm. You know, this is going to change and you need to budget accordingly. Doug, how many producers, associate agents do you have in your agency? We have right now 11. 11 of them. Yep. And, and I take it they are stormtroopers that are out every day beating the streets and talking to people. Uh, I wish they were. Yeah. <laughs> I wish they were. Well, well you know, let, I think let, every single person that's in our office absolutely without a doubt has the ability right. but everybody's everybody's driven a little bit differently sure, as well uh-huh, sure. and some people really need to still find what lights their fire right that's a huge talk, part of it too. talk a little bit doug you mentioned getting your foot in the door tell the story that i had on my youtube channel about the big proposal that you put in the guy's office on Halloween night. But uh-huh. also, I love creative follow-up. It's one of the things that I'm passionate about. If you have any more stories like that, really <laughs> quick in a nutshell, because I want our listeners and Scott to hear those stories. Let me tell you, the fact that the three of us, me and my two partners are all ex-athletes, we have kind of ingrained in our minds this frustration with losing Mm -hmm. and we go to great lengths to limit the amount that we lose at any one time so when we work on something for extended period of time we really follow through as hard as possible but Mm -hmm. the story that bradley's talking about it was really the first big commercial building that i ever quoted and it was a brand new structure coming off builders risk It was legitimately the first six-figure account that I ever worked on, Mm -hmm. and we called in every favor we had. Mm -hmm. I called every friend that was an underwriter I knew. It was a layered program. There was multiple carriers involved. I really just kind of was just asking everybody involved to really do the best that they could. And at the end of the day, we crushed it. Mm -hmm. We knew we crushed it. We knew what we were up against, and we, we knocked it out of the park. I, I don't know that I've ever been as excited as I was to call the client and let him know that I was ready to present this to him and didn't get a call back. And I was like, all right, you know, and he's probably at lunch, probably busy. He's got, he's got a, you know, he's a big developer. He's got a lot going on. And the next day, no call back. And I knew that their builder's risk policy was expiring. So we didn't have much time. But I thought to myself, there's no way that I'm going to miss out on this deal because I know what they're, what the other agent proposed and I know that I smoked it. So another day passes by, no call. Now we're talking Halloween day. Mm-hmm. Man, this is probably eight or nine years ago now at this point. And my partner, we were in, we were in the office and our office is always dressed up together uh, for Halloween. And I'm dressed up as Garth from Wayne's World and he's dressed up as Superman and we look like complete goofballs. And I said, man, I got to do something about this. I can't hold this gem in my hand Mm -hmm. and not let this guy see it. But he's not answering my call. So we're big on doing and then thinking, which sometimes bites you in the ass. But uh, I said, you know what? I got to do something where he can't miss this. Mm -hmm. So I called his local sign company and I sent them my proposal and I turned it into a three foot by four foot board. And we went down to the office depot and bought a big art easel, and we drove to his office dressed up as Superman and Garth from Wayne's World. And I walked into the lobby, and I said, is so-and-so here? Oh, I'm so sorry. He's he's upstairs, but he's stuck in a meeting. And I said, that's fine. I'm just going to leave this right here. We set up the easel, and we put the proposal on the easel, and we walked out of there. And uh, we felt like complete goofballs, but we knew that we had to do that. Right. And so later that, that same day, we were uh, – having a cocktail not too far from the gentleman's office and guess who walks in the restaurant this guy 
And I said, there's no way you didn't see my proposal. And he shook my hand and he said, that was the most innovative thing I've ever seen. But I'm sorry to tell you this. One of our late investors is an insurance agent and I had to give him the deal. But this was one of these scenarios where I looked at the guy, you know, there's nothing more at that point you want to do than scream. Right. And curse the guy out and storm out and talk about how much time has been wasted. And and, and I said, you know what, I'm going to get you one day. It might not be today and it might not be tomorrow, but one day I'm going to get you. And we write that building today. Wow. Awesome. And that has happened for us so many times. And that's why, again, like I said before, becoming financially stable, whether that's you making 30 grand a year or $300,000 a year or $3 million a year, wherever you personally feel comfortable is the only thing that will allow you to look somebody in the face and at least at that moment, make it seem like that's okay. I'm not in a rush. I'm going to get right. you. And two, by doing that, I mean, yeah, it might be a little goofy, but what you did is you separated yourself from everybody else. And I'm sure you followed up with him on the back end, but you're able to stay top of that guy's mind, right? Oh, absolutely. So, oh, absolutely. so, Doug, you talked about relationships with underwriters and different company people. I assume that you've got a pretty good handle on relationships with these marketing reps from the different companies that you represent as well. Is that correct? We do. I mean, to a certain extent. Yeah. You know, you also identify at a certain period of time that your marketing rep really isn't the one pulling the strings. Right. Your marketing rep is absolutely essential in keeping you up to date with information. But one thing that we do differently than I think a lot of people do is we visit our wholesale broker offices quite often, even the ones that aren't local. Our biggest portion of our business is with the wholesale broker based in Atlanta. And we fly to Atlanta twice a year just to spend a day or two in their office and go out to dinner. And this is not something we're invited to. This is something we ask them, hey, can we drop in? Mm -hmm. And the fact that people in that HR department know who we are goes a long way. You create a friendship with everybody. And at that point, everybody wants to see you win. Nobody wants to see somebody lose that they like. Yeah, absolutely. So get people to like you. Well, a piece well, of advice a good mentor of mine gave me Scott one Howell. time is uh, <laughs> is you go to lunch with these carrier reps or, or any carrier people, they always want to buy your lunch. You always make sure you're the one buying them lunch or buying them beers. Well, oh, and, yeah, and, and, and Doug, where I was going with that is we got a lot of people listening to this podcast. I've talked to three of them this week that are podcast listeners, and they are one-man shops, or maybe they're moving over from captive to independent, or maybe different stories, obviously. But you're at a different point in your career. I think it was Troy Korsgarden that said... Korsgarden. Korsgarden, I'm sorry. He said, Edit. <laughs> we're, all, we're all in the same game. We're just all in a different inning. And where I was headed with that was, you know, when you're a one-man show, and you're trying to go out there and you're trying to get these contracts with a direct carrier or a, a A-plus rated carrier to do something, you've got to build that relationship with that marketing rep that's in your area that can help you get that contract. I was telling two people this week, I said, worst thing you can do is just jump on the Safeco website and fill out the application <laughs> online without knowing anybody Without having any relationship I with anybody, that. Bradley pulled this move about two weeks ago and had to kind of backtrack to get what he needed. You know, you do that, you're probably going to get an instant, sorry, we're not looking for any agents right now. You might not just get that. You also might be on somebody's naughty list for a while, too. The same goes for people that are trying to get every appointment under the sun. If you can't generate the business to keep those people happy, right. don't go after it. Right. As much business as we write, there are contracts that I don't have by design. Right. There are contracts that we don't go after. Because I know they're not hot in my area at the mm -hmm. moment. And if mm -hmm. I got to put a million or two million bucks on the books with them in the next 24 months, it ain't going to happen. Right. So I'll yeah. wait 
until they are the one to go to, and then I'll get them. Well, somebody asked me the other day, Bradley, why aren't you going after X company? I said, I don't want them. They do a couple things I don't like, and if they do a couple things I don't like, I'm not going to spend the time to go after them to then have to deal with the things I don't like to keep them happy. And if I don't need it, then why put yourself through that? Exactly. And keep in mind that people jump from insurance company to insurance company all the time. So when, you know, you kind of pissing off somebody at XYZ insurance company, if that employee leaves and goes somewhere else you like, man, that Mm -hmm. bad reputation follows you there too. We watch marketing reps, underwriters, everybody from companies bounce around from company to company. And that's why it's important not to burn any bridges. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. Exactly. You know, oh, I've been known as a bridge burner. Before. Or they, or they, or they, they might decide they don't like you. Before we get off this show today, I want to ask you a couple more questions. But if you could speak to the insurance agents out there, the two hundred fifty thousand that are listening right now, what is the best piece of advice you could give somebody in terms of commercial insurance? Because I know that's that's where your jam is. Even though I yeah. completely agree with you, personal lines, it's going to come. It's going to happen. What's the best piece of advice you could give somebody getting into commercial insurance? Just ask for an opportunity. Yeah. Just ask for it. Stop thinking because you work for a small agency or you're on your own or you're at a mom and pop that you can't compete. Our industry has been going through a massive consolidation for Mm. the last 24 months where some of these big either multinational retailers or these private equity firms have been rolling up agencies, specifically the size that we're at right now. And we have found that all of our competition has been eaten up by these guys. We're really the only agency in South Florida that plays in the space that we play in that hasn't been bought. Right. You know, we've had every offer under the sun Mm -hmm. and we've chosen to stay where we're at because Mm -hmm. there is a very large amount of people who do not want to work with those big companies. Right. And don't think that because you're at a small agency that you don't have an opportunity to write the biggest account in your town Mm -hmm. because you have just as good as opportunity as everybody else. Because at the end of the day, they're buying insurance from you, not from the insurance company. And when you look at some of these big agencies and they have producers turnover every 12 months, every 24 months, and you're trying to explain to the insured that, hey, you know what? This is a generational business. Your granddaddy started this business. He liked to do business with people for a long, long time. That's when you, as a smaller boutique agency, I'd call it like, that's what I refer to JAG as, a boutique agency, has, has the upper hand because then you're based off relationships. Not just because you got some big name behind your back, because you know what you're doing, and anybody can do that. And all you got to do is ask for it. Absolutely, that, could, is, that is motivation. Uh, well, rewards come from action, not discussion. That's right. You know, everybody can talk, but not everybody can get their ass out from behind that desk and go see somebody and and not worry about oh, they're with McGriff Siebels and I haven't been. Uh, pissed yeah. off. So it does. So so let me ask you another question. You just you've answered my question. Just a minute ago, I'm going to ask this. Is there is there not a part of you that wants to go ahead and sell out to one of these big conglomerates, one of these, you know, Levitt Group type companies, and then go live on the beach in the Bahamas and collect 4% and eat lobster every night for dinner? Not at all. <laughs> not even close. I love it. I <laughs> Trust love me, it. I've had a lot of time to uh, think of it. I've had a lot of numbers to look at. I bet. But you got you to keep in mind a couple of things. Number one. Right now, I'm standing, looking out my window in my jeans and my polo. The caveat to those deals are you got to go work for the man. Yep. And you ain't getting me to go work for the man. Well, yep. I, can, I, can uh, t- I can tell one thing about you that reminds me a lot of myself. Your purpose in life is to sell insurance like mine is. 
and you'll probably be doing this in some capacity, some way, somehow, till a lot later on in your life. I can tell that. And that's probably a big reason why you've all three been so successful. We love it. Yeah. It's it, simple yeah. as that. You know, you you can look at the insurance business and think it's a dorky profession or it's right. old or however, but you got to look at what you get out of it. I right. love to win. Right. I love mm-hmm. the journey. I love building things. And you can uh-huh. do that in the insurance business and you compete on a daily basis. And I can't see myself not wanting to compete mm-hmm. at all for the rest of my life. And I get that from this business. And I like being involved in other industries. You know, if you want to, if you like airplanes, you don't have to be a pilot, right? You can sell insurance to, to, you know, airplane charges. If you like like sports, you don't have to be a professional baseball player. You can sell insurance to your minor league team in your town. Mm -hmm. There's so many things that you can get involved with within this industry. Frankly, I don't even like talking about it because I I don't want anybody else in it. So I, I want to keep it for myself. One well, thing you know, Doug told me when we when we were, we were up there and, right. or down there is is he's I don't hang out with other insurance agents. Right. I don't want to. No, I don't either. No. I don't either. I don't. Hey, but hey, I'll, I'll tell you this, and, and I think you're going to agree with this. I played college basketball as well. Uh, you know, kind of like you guys did at a at a fairly high level. Not you know, I didn't play for Duke or anything like that. But to me, it's the closest thing to playing sports that you can get to. Because there is that competitive thing. You're always going up against somebody else. There is a scoreboard. You're either going to get that account or you're not. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, and some people, that's just something you need to breathe. Right. And and I think if you have that kind of competitive spirit, then it's a great business for you and you're going to do well. But if, if you're thinking this is something, you know, I love it when people that have known my partners and I, you know, see us around town or see us on social media and, and they think that what we do is easy, mm-hmm. come give it a shot. Right. Come give it a shot. It ain't easy, man. We just happen to love it, and we've happened to have taken the extra steps to educate ourselves more than than our competitors have, and we just have a fire that's bigger than everybody else. So let me ask you another question. You and Fernando and Lewis, I know you guys all have different strengths and different weaknesses. Are any of you still working in the business, or have you guys reached a point now where you are totally working on the business every day? Well, what do you mean? Like we, we well, are, are you, you are you are actually full time producers? Are, so you are quote you're quoting business, and you're still in the you're still in the trenches. Hell yeah! Okay, okay. I just didn't know. I was just asking. Some yeah, some no, people. So we <laughs> some people reach the level that you guys are at in terms of built growing their agency to a certain point to where they stop quoting business you know they've got agency manager you, you know what i mean i mean there's some there's... that'll be that'll be the day we start dying okay mm-hmm. we you know two two years ago we hired a woman uh as our coo to run the organizational part of our business because we were being kind of, we were stopping ourselves from getting back out on the street but no we 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 do it all man it all three of us have sat in every seat in this office and when we have something and people are busy I can do anything. I can still fill out a court forms. I can send it out to marketing. I can create the proposal. I can do the finance agreement. There's nothing within what we do every day that I can't do. And I promise you that the day we stop that is the day we start dying. Gotcha. Man, I love it. You're fi- yeah, you got me fired up right now. I'm trying to think like an insurance agent right now. Any other questions that I have for you? Obviously, I've got a million of them that I'll probably get you to answer when I come down there to see you. But I have been talking for two days about coming down to see you after I watched that video on YouTube with you and Bradley. Bradley, tell everybody that YouTube channel. They can go see that. Just search my name on YouTube. Just Bradley. It's the uh, Agent 2021 Day 1 vlog. 
Okay. Day one blog. Real quick, and then I'm going to get us off this podcast and shut this thing down. If you can, talk just a little bit about the mentor program that you've gone through with, with Gary Vaynerchuk and VaynerMedia. Sure. Like a lot of people in our business have followed Gary for a few years, and I really appreciated his message because they're not shallow or hollow words. If you look into who he is and what he's done, he's grown a successful business with his father and then grown Vayner Media to a substantial size. We're talking 800 employees, $350 million in revenue. So he's not one of these guys that just travels around and sells pamphlets and books about <laughs> how to sell shit. He's got substance and what he says works. Right. And so I've always appreciated the way that he preached the things that he does. And I've always wanted to use some of that within our business. You know, mm-hmm. our business is a hundred percent referral based. Mm-hmm. And once we felt like we really saturated Florida and, and decided it was time for the rest of the country to find out who we are, we really needed to figure out what was going to be the most cost-effective way to do that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you follow a guy like him, you quickly realize it's not billboards, it's not TV ads, it's really through social media. So mm-hmm. a couple years ago, he started a program for smaller companies that I forget was twenty dollars or $30,000 a month, still a little more than I wanted to pay mm-hmm. to get our brand out there. And then about a year ago, came out with the Mentors Program, which was for businesses between two and one hundred million, which is where we fall. I made an inquiry on his website and one of his guys in his office gave me a buzz. We chit-chatted about what the mentors program was and I got pretty excited about it. You know, it's it's ultimately a consulting arm of VaynerMedia Mm -hmm. where they come in, they break down your business, they look at your processes, they look at your people, they look at your brand and really put together a growth plan depending on where you want to go. Right. But unfortunately, would not give me a price over the phone. So I had to wait and uh, sent me an email with the pricing and it fell out of my chair. Mm. And I ultimately wrote an email back to him of why I thought it was a crazy proposal. Mm -hmm. And a couple of days later, got an email from this gentleman saying, hey, Gary read your email. He wants to talk to you. (laughs) And I said, all right, game time. Let's do it. So he and I got on the phone. We had a great conversation. You know, I was just telling him that our business is not like somebody that sells shoes or nail polish or whatever it may be. You know, if you do what you say you're going to do and attract the attention that you say you can bring to me, I can't just call the factory in China and say, hey, speed up the assembly line, send me double the shoes. Mm -hmm. I need to get more office space, hire more customer service reps, train them, pay them. That's a huge expense up front. So to pay a lot of money up front, you know, for us really, it didn't seem logical, but I made a comment to him that if I can offset this expense somehow, it would make more sense. And I said, look, Gary, I know you spent a lot of money on insurance. He goes, I don't know how much I spent. And I said, well, I don't know what kind of relationship you have with your agent. He goes, well, I don't know who my agent is. And I said, well, I'd love to be because I know I'm the best at what I do. Mm -hmm. And he said, all right, you get a shot. And I said, okay, that's, that's what I wanted to hear. And he goes, you come up to New York and, and meet with a team. And I said, look, I, I'd love to come up. You don't even need to be there. And he said, no, 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 I want to be there. I want to meet you. And so, you know, sure as shit, I flew up to New York, met with his entire team, gathered all of their insurance information. And then Gary flies in the room like a bat out of hell and says, what's the deal? Are you guys done? So I said, yeah, we're done. I got all the insurance stuff I needed. And he said, all right, let's talk about this mentors program. And, and I kind of reiterated the same thing to him again saying, I believe that you can bring this attention to my agency nationwide, but man, that's going to be a huge expense for me up front to service that business. And we just spent the next hour really breaking down how this will work. And, you know, I took my business partners up there with me purely to meet Gary Vee. 
right, right. <laughs> not to strike a deal with this guy mm-hmm. and uh, we walked out and they both looked at me and they said we're fucking doing this right and i said all right so we gave the guy uh we gave him a call that night and said and we signed up for mentors and the the uh the rest has been history and you know out of that came the opportunity to speak at agent 2021 which is where i got to meet bradley and so we've a lot of good stuff has come out of it the growth plan that they put together for us to reach our goal is thorough it's comprehensive and it's just downright exciting you know they've done so much to our brand already it was very comforting to us for them to tell us hey look we dug deep in your company we really believe in what you're doing we believe in your people we believe in your process Mm. let's just tweak your brand a little bit and get you guys out there on social media Mm. and uh so that's been our focus wow and, and you guys have seen results already, correct? Without a doubt. And I know a lot of people look at social media and say, hey, it's, it's impossible to identify the ROI. And I can tell you one thing. There are people that we went after two, three, four years ago who, whether we were close to getting them or not, are buzzing us right now. Mm-hmm. And that that's no coincidence. I was part of an interview this morning uh, with an employee from a really big global company in our office. And she's like, man, you guys are all over LinkedIn. You're all over Instagram. Mm-hmm. You know, the people, they're out there, whether you have a lot of followers or not, you know, get, one thing Gary told us about was the, the 99% rule. 99% will scroll by what you see what by what you post and look at it and not like because that's just what people do mm-hmm. right? right i do it all the time i'm sure you guys do it too you know i see something cool just keep on scrolling so people are watching even if they're not liking even if that's they're right. not following and that's where good branding comes into play too you know we talked about this with Joey Gingola we were talking about the consistency of youtube thumbnails And how they all need to kind of be of the same consistency and theme. That way, even if people don't watch the video, they know that that was a Bradley Flowers post or a Gary Vaynerchuk post or a Scott Howell post. And you guys do a really good job with the brand and every post sort of being of the same theme, color scheme, things like that, at least for a short period of time. That way, if I see it, I at least know that is a JAG insurance post, Mm -hmm. even if I don't stop and see what it's about. Almost subliminally. Correct, correct. And you know what's funny about that? My wife, Kim, who's actually sitting here right now with us. And just brought us Starbucks. And just brought us Starbucks, by the way. Thank you, baby. She's been saying that to me for a year. She's mm-hmm. like, Scott, you don't understand. When you post something on Instagram or Facebook, people, a lot of times, they won't like it or they won't say anything or comment. But then you go to the grocery store and see them and they go, oh, I saw. And you're like, why didn't you like that shit? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> it's like, what, what? You know, you have no idea. It's crazy how many people mm-hmm. see stuff that you don't even know ever saw it. Yep. Hey, Doug, were you guys the first company to sign up for Vayner Mentors? I believe we were the third. 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 Okay. So, which is good for us. We got them to get some of the kinks out of the system first. Yeah, right, right, right. Well, Doug, I, I just want to tell you again how humbled and how blessed and how much thankfulness I have for you to be on this podcast. I'm going to go ahead and shut this one down. Guys, listen to me. I hope that you guys got something out of this today. The thing that I got out of it, Stop making excuses. As I say after every single podcast, rewards come from action, not discussion. Get your ass out from behind that desk and go out into the big bad world and go sell insurance. Go sell insurance for your beautiful wife. Go sell insurance for your husband, for your kids. Make money for your children and your family. Go write good business for the agencies that you represent. Go write good business for the companies that you represent. Bradley Flowers, I love you. Love you too, buddy. Guys, you are listening to the Insurance Guys podcast, and we'll be back real soon.
Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at iprotectins at gmail.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to bradleyflowersinsurance.com or email him at bradley at sarahlandinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to being with you again real soon on the next episode of the Insurance Guys. Take care.